We mentioned already for those who weren't here yet, we talked about being on the brink. On the brink. And we said, on the brink, does that, does that bring to you a thought of good or bad? Because you can think of it in, in both terms, can't we? On the brink. And on the brink can be on the brink of disaster, on the brink of, of a mental breakdown. It can be you're on the brink of discovery. And so God spoke to my heart this week about the word is threshold, and threshold is on the brink. So the threshold is actually a couple different things. One, some people call it the doorway or the post. For example, back in Moses' day, the Ten Commandments, when, when they took the lamb's blood and they had taken a sacrificial lamb, and it says, God said, you put this blood over the doorposts of your house, the threshold of your house, and when death comes, because Pharaoh had said that death would come to the firstborn of Israel, see, and what happened is he spoke the decree over himself. He cursed himself. Okay, that's a different sermon, but you can curse yourself. In this case, he cursed himself because Moses says, by your own edict, it will come upon you. And God said, Moses, he says, go and tell the people if they'll put the blood over the doorposts. He said, they'll be preserved. Death will pass over them. Thereby, if you've heard of the term Passover in church and when we do communion in certain times of the year, Passover is representing a celebration when, the, when death passed over Israel by the blood of the lamb that had been sprinkled on the, or, or painted onto the doorposts. Guess what? Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross and poured out his blood shed for us so that we don't die, we live. Though we die, we don't die eternally. We die unto eternal life. So for those who have accepted Jesus Christ, you go from death into life. And what happens is all those sins, all your actions, all that the judgment that would fall on you because of what you've done and how you've been, he took it up on the cross. So you don't have to pay the penalty. Sometimes that doesn't mean we don't have consequences. We still have consequences for our actions. But this perfect love that God gives, he takes away the penalty. He takes away the punishment. He himself bore the punishment for our sins. That's what we do this morning as we celebrate communion is recognizing that, you know, we can't fix ourselves. And we needed a healer. And we needed a redeemer. We needed a savior. And we need a conquering king. How many of you need a conquering king today? We still need him, don't we? Can't wait for him to come then, but I need him now too. And so he says that we have this victory through Jesus Christ. So the doorway or the post, it's, it also a threshold represents a, a level or a limit. When I was in sales, that we had a, a, a certain threshold where we would achieve. And if we got, that was the minimum standard for, uh, for bonus, for incentives, for, for trips and things like that. And so we had a threshold level, and, and there we got a certain reward. And then when we went above that threshold to the next level, we would find our place where we might reach what was called the maximum, okay? Um, by the way, after I got saved, I blew through the threshold and, and got the maximum. Um, I don't know where it's been over the last 13 years, but I know that when I got saved, I had the two largest bonuses in our company's history, which is 57 branches, so I was up against 57 other managers. And, um, hey, our numbers. And I'm just telling you, I wasn't that good. I'm telling you, it was God being good on my behalf. And so I reap those, those rewards. So I just want to, uh, 
I want to tell you the threshold is the doorpost, the doorway. Some people know that threshold as, as we might call it the, the, the sweep down on the bottom of the, of the, of the, of the door where you literally step over. Um, when I don't know how many people still carry their bride across the threshold. But, but that was the idea is when you think about the, the threshold as being that which we've started this life together. And now as we carry and go into this threshold that we're, we're going into a new realm. See? And we're doing it and we're not alone. And that's exactly the same kind of idea that, that God's giving is you're not alone. You're not alone in this journey. You're not alone in this pursuit that I'm with you. I will be with you. And so the other type is, is a goal. And so in the bulletin, I've just wrote down a couple questions at the bottom there and the reading. So I'm going to ask you to turn there for me. I didn't give you much room for notes, and I didn't generate notes today, but I do have some things that I believe are powerful for us to get. In there, it's a reading of Habakkuk, okay? Two, two, and three. If you read down, uh, there's, I put two versions in there because it's important for us to understand there, there is a difference between uh, what type of, of uh, Bible you have, what the, the version is, if you will, One's called the message. The other is called the New American Standard or abbreviated NAS. And I just want us to read that, uh, the message first, okay? This is called a paraphrase. It's put in modern language, if you will. So read it with me, would you? And then God answered, write this. Write what you see. Write it out in big block letters so that it can be read on the run. This vision message is a witness pointing to what's coming. It aches for the coming. It can hardly wait, and it doesn't lie. If it seems slow in coming, wait. It is on its way. It will come right on time. Wow. The power of delayed answers. Ready? Let's read down the New American Standard now. Then the Lord answered me and said, Record the vision and inscribe it on tablets that the one who reads it may run. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens toward the goal, and it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it, for it will certainly come. It will not delay. So I'd like you to just consider, ponder that question. Do you have a written goal for your life? Do you have a written goal for your life? A dream, desire, or a longing? And then maybe circle which one that is, yes or no? Yes or no? And if the answer is no, why not? Because I'll tell you what, most of us work in environments where we have goals, where there's a standard that somebody else has set for us, that this is what you'll do. If it's showing up from eight to five or whatever your hours are, they've defined it with job responsibilities, gave you a a copy of an employee manual, and you had to sign that you had read this and you agreed to, to follow it. I'm telling you that the world has goals and they're putting them on you, see? And so then what happens is, is we're getting goals in our world right now. Things that we're supposed to buy and things that we're supposed to have and lifestyles that we're supposed to live. People are setting the agenda and giving you their goals. That's called the world's goals. And then there's this which God has for us, which is holy. It's something that transcends this normalcy of life. See, it makes this natural, supernatural. But you got to have a goal and you got to have that written down. And what, what you don't want is just what you want. That's kind of telling God what you want. What it is is saying, God, your will be done. Will you tell me what your will is for my life? Will you give me instruction on how you want me to live? 
And then when he gives you something, you take that and then you take, you don't just run with it yet. You, you'll test that thing. We talked about that last week, a couple weeks ago. You'll, you'll test that, test that spirit. God says, go ahead and test me. See, and so we test that thing. And what we'll find is, 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 is there certain things that are marked by, by who God is. Then we can tell if it's holy, if, if, it's, if it's honest, if it's genuine, if it's pure, if it's going to benefit others, if it's selfless. There's all these things that we can, we can tell, yeah, this is a God thing. Yeah, what's he want me to do? He wants me to less, live less according to the world and more according to his direction and his plan. So a person's heart plans their way, but the Lord directs their steps. And it could be that you go to the right or the left, or it could be he just keeps you on the straight and narrow. See, not everybody's called to walk off that beaten path, but some of us are. The other, the other term for threshold comes from literally the threshing floor. Threshing floor. Sometimes before you can enter into what God's promises are and what God has for you, something has to be beat out of you. Now, threshing is something that a lot of days, nowadays, a lot of people wouldn't have much of a clue about threshing. But the threshing floor was a process before they had machines where they would take a, it was called a winnowing fork. And it was just imagine a fork something with maybe five different little sticks sticking down, and they take it, and they'll, 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 they're on this ground that's as prepared as you can get dirt, and then they take it and heave it up in the air, and when they do, by the constant beating of it and stepping on it, what will happen is you can throw that up, and if you've ever taken a grain of wheat, for example, that's in its shell, and all of a sudden what it does is this threshing, heave it up into the air, and what will happen is is the wind will take the chaff and, and it'll blow it away. And what settles down will be the grain. And so what, what, is, what can be removed, that which is fluff, that which is, is nothing, that's taken away. And that which is sustenance drops to the ground. That's what you harvest, pick up, and make your, your food with. So in this case, separating the wheat from the, 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 from the chaff using that, that winnowing fork, using this pressure, using this, putting it, exposing it. And then it's kind of like sifting the flesh and the spirit. See, you keep throwing it. What is it? The dream. Keep throwing your dream, the vision, that prompting, whatever that is that you think, you keep throwing it in the air. And see, you keep treading on it. You keep on mincing over it. You keep on, you hang out with that thing. And what will happen is you keep throwing it up and saying, God, what do you think? What do you think? I keep presenting myself a holy living sacrifice. I keep presenting myself to God. And what will happen is he blows away the stuff that isn't worthy. See, he'll take those things and cast it to the wind. And he'll draw it away from you. But it's you who have to submit yourself to being continually under that pressure, heaved up into the air, and you're going nowhere What's coming back down, you think that nothing's happening. But there is something happening. God's taking certain things away from you. He's removing it from you. You're being transformed even as you're just in this posture of going up and down in the air. Seeming like I'm going nowhere. See? That's what's happening is God is doing his work. He's winnowing your life. See what I mean? What settles in your life, that's, that's, that's substance. What is blown away is fodder. You know what fodder is? Fodder is kind of a cool, cool word. Fodder is usually consider what turkeys eat, 
what chickens eat. It's stuff that just is, it's really like a garbage plate kind of thing. You know, turkeys, certain animals will eat almost anything, right? Well, that's fodder. God doesn't want you eating fodder. He says he prepares a feast for you in the presence of your enemies. That means in the worst possible conditions, all of a sudden, how do we put this feast on in the middle of, of a war? That's what he's saying. In the middle of the war, I'll, I'll prepare a table for you. I'll set you a table and put the best of foods on there. What's, what's, what's exactly totally healthy for you? I'll put it out there. It's a banquet. See? That's what he promises to do. The world is fodder. To invest yourself in the world, to plan everything according to the world, is fodder. It also means it's what collapses. It's that which won't sustain. So it's kind of like Jesus says about the water with the woman at the well. With this water, you'll thirst again. With the fodder in the world, guess what? You'll never be satisfied with it because it's not sustenance for you. It will not nourish the Spirit of God who is in you. So what you'll do is you'll keep eating. It's like junk food. You'll keep eating this junk food, and you might be putting on some pounds and some girth, but it's actually weighing you down and keeping you from being able to be lifted up. See, what God wants to do, because he says, if you'll humble yourself, present yourself, allow me to do this work in you, what will happen is he'll do the work in you, and now he produces fruit of righteousness in your life. That's food. Food for who? Food for other people. They need to see that in you, in your life. That's why we want to submit ourselves to the chastening, if you will, of God, to the discipline of God, to this patience, enduring, waiting for him. Amen? All right. I will stand on my guard post and station myself on the rampart, and I will keep watch to see what he will speak to me and how I may reply when I am reproved. Then the Lord answered me and said, record the vision and inscribe it on tablets that the one who reads it may run, for the vision is yet for the appointed time. I'm telling you, folks, if you will take the appointed time, if you will, if you will import that into your memory banks, if you'll say the appointed time, everything happens in, in, in season, for its season, and we don't know how long that is, but it's an appointed time. God has for us an appointed time. Kind of like we'll get our rest, either sick or well. Sick or well. You ever have that happen? Where if God keeps telling you, okay, peace, be still. Come here, sit down. Let's, let's chill. And you just keep on running like a wild man, like a wild woman. You know what will happen? Is pretty soon you find yourself laid up and you can't help it. You might even have to go to a doctor. You know why? Because God wants to speak something to you. And he'll use even that natural process as a point you know how, what it's like being in the hospital bed? How many of you know what that's like? Yeah, you can't get enough visitors. See, I would want just anybody, please. You know, I'd pay nurses to, to come in and just chat with me or something. See, this would be a terrible place. I've been there a couple times where it's just, there, there's an, this is it. And what am I waiting? I'm waiting on a healing. Sometimes you don't have to be in a hospital. You can be in your, in your living room. You can be at home. You can be at your job. And you're waiting. And you're waiting and it's tough because while you're waiting, things aren't going the way that you really want. And that's not what's in your heart. The way things are going is not what, what, I, what, I've, what, what I have a vision for. It's, it's not what I thought life was going to be. And so what you need to do is go to God and say, hey, what is, what is it that you have for me, God? What do you want me to do, God? And you know what he'll do? He, he'll say, here you are. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If he says that, it means you've got him shut out. 
Otherwise, you can come to him because he's the God who says he puts a door open in heaven that no man can shut. Do you have an open door with God or you got a closed door? If you got a closed door, I'm telling you, it's just a, it's like that. Quicker than you can say it, he thrusts open the door. He wants you to come in. But you got to do it how? With clean hands and a pure heart. That's the way he says you got to do it. You can't come to him just... He, people like to come to him because he'll, he'll do like the old Billy Graham song, right? That part of his, his whole crusade, just as I am. Well, God will accept you just as you are, but you ain't going to get anywhere in that condition. Not until he puts you through the scrubber. See, he's going to clean you up. He's going to give you his righteousness and take your filth away. Because when you come to him just as you am, you ain't, you ain't, you ain't, uh, you ain't holy. See? The only way you're going to get that is by him cleaning you, by him scouring you. Would you just tell him real quick, go ahead and say, go ahead and scour me, God. (laughs) Scrub me, God. Brillo pad me till uh, there's nothing left to exfoliate. Wow. Some of us need to recognize that part. Just go ahead and say, go ahead, God, have your way. Because he's going to. It'll just be how long are we going to hang out there being on the threshing floor instead of being able to... So the threshold represents that which God has for us, which is ready. He wants us to run with that. That's why he wants you. You should write it down. You should have a goal. You should have something that is down that says, okay, are we living our life to this standard? Are we living our lives going for the goal? See? So if it's the the trophy, whatever that trophy is in sports, if it's a Super Bowl or the Stanley Cup or whatever that, that, that award is, that's what we're looking for. But our prize is Christ himself and our reward is in heaven. And what he wants us doing is having that reward that we're going to bring him glory. I want him to, I want other people to say, man, when that trailer boy, I remember when he was the pastor here, that we, we saw Christ in him. He was about the closest thing to, 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 to holiness and God that, that I'd ever seen. <laughs> Hello. That's not me maybe yet. Yet. That's, that may not be you yet, but we have the potential in him to become that. If we'll submit ourselves to that point, we're on the verge. We're right there. It could be the the next kind deed. It could be the next time that you quench what your flesh wants to do. It could be the next time you hold that word in and you don't say what's wanting to come out, which will defile other people. See? Did you know I learned this week, Ohio is number one in the United States for cussing? Did you hear that? We were recently having lunch, and, and the F word was being thrown around. There were a couple of uh, young kids, kind of like Savannah. They were down, they were in the, this place, and I, I wanted, I actually stood up because I was about fed up with it. Because I thought there are women in this place, there are children in this place, and then you got people who seem to be oblivious to it. And I could just see, kind of like one of those Schwarzenegger moments where you just walk up kindly and smile and then. <laughs> You know what I mean? Just go. And I'd say, just watch your language, sir. In Jesus' name. That might not be a God thing at all. I'm just telling you. But, but I literally was grieved in my spirit because the, the, just oblivious. These guys were just oblivious to any kind of what's, what's the word I want to use? Proper etiquette. What's decent. What's even reasonable? Are you serious? The F word? 
just dropping that thing all over the place, using it in some common language like it's normal? Do, do you ever, and we live right out on the street, right on Main Central Avenue out here, that when they come out of the bars, you know what happens? I hear them. Last night, a guy on his way from, from uh, probably 50 feet, I'll bet he used the F word five times. Well, hey, freedom of speech. We get to say whatever we want to. Yeah, okay. And everybody else is subjected to it because you're, 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 you're having a problem. You're, you're having a little anger management problem. And you're disgusted with something. Maybe they cut him off inside and wouldn't let him have any more. So here he is. And I'm thinking, wow, God, I want to come off of my porch and go over there. And, and why is this? It's in me. I got this in me. This, I'd like to think it's holy indignation, but I know some of it's not. Because what, what the fruit would be of my, if I acted on it. See, that's, I like to say that's part of the Irish in me. It's part of that thing that riles up that once, and boy, immediately God's like, yes, I'll pray for him. I'll pray for him because he's like me when I used to be without Christ. And if he has Christ, then God, I pray that you who are the convictor will bring conviction upon him. But I want you to bless him. I want to bless him with your presence. Bless him, God, with a holy visitation. Let it be like Jesus and Saul when, when he says, why are you persecuting me? Saul. So God, will you do a work in this man's life? And you know what happens? The heart changes. God's throwing me up in the... Right then, I'm not the problem. He is. What are you doing with me? What are you doing with me? Well, we're right there on the verge, pastor. We're right there on the verge, buddy. We're right there on the verge. You don't understand is that this is a work that needs to happen in you so that you can better reflect me. And that side of you, that little anger and that stuff that wants to tear somebody's face off, that's not of me. You're right. Bless him, God. Bless him, God. Does anybody else in the room have this conflict within you like this? That there are times where you just like to that's why I'm not a sissy. I don't carry a gun because I wouldn't trust myself. He says, though it tarries, wait for it. Wait for it while you're living by it. Wait for it while you're living by it. Don't just wait for it like, well, God knows what he's got to do. Let him do it in me. I ain't doing it. Let him do it. No, no. He wants you to participate. He wants you to subject yourself or submit yourself to it. Where, here I am. Let me be the next fork up, okay? Forget them. I need it more. Do me. Come on. Why? Because that's what I am. I need it, God. The good thing is, it's not like God can only, a personal trainer who can only deal with one person at a time. He can deal with all of us at the same time. That's what he's wanting to do this morning. So you know what? He wants us to live on the threshold, live on the verge with expectation that I'm not who I was when he first came to me and he saved me. He's, he's done amazing things in my life. He's actually used me to preach to others. He's, he's used me to reveal salvation so that somebody was able to accept Jesus. So not me, it was Jesus. But let me tell you about Jesus. And so people have actually accepted Jesus. Guess what? That's not for me. That's not something I go around. I don't log that. I've known people who log everybody who they ever led to the Lord. I don't believe in logging people 
for, for, for that. It's almost like I'd want some part of glory out of that. See what I mean? I'd say to you, well, uh, 17,000 people have accepted the Lord because of me. No, they didn't. I was used by God as a servant, and a whole bunch of people might have gotten saved. See? That's what he wants from us, is that we'll just be a servant, and we're not keeping tabs, and we're not asking for some sort of benefit. You know, because this world tells you you deserve. You deserve. See? You deserve pay raise. You deserve benefits. You deserve time off. You deserve a car. You deserve a break today. I'm telling you, you deserved punishment. You deserved hell itself. But God said, no, no, that's not what I got for you. I've got, I'm deliver you. See, I'm going to pour out my love in your life and you're going to be saved, saved, and you're going to be safe. When it comes down to judgment day, you're going to pass. You get the pass. Do you know that? You get the pass. You know, that's what you'll do if you'll continue to submit your heart and you'll say, God, Check me out, search me, and know me, and see if there be any wicked way in me, God. So here it is. We don't want to live like live our life based on what's on your horizon. We, I want you to live your life based on who's on the horizon. You get it? Not what's on the horizon, but who's on the horizon. You know who's on the horizon? It's him. Papa's holding him back, and he's just waiting because God desires that none should perish. And so it's his mercy that just keeps him. He restrained by that, by his heart, that he wants to see people saved. He wants to see people delivered. He wants to see people come to Jesus. Why? Because he doesn't want to punish. Perfect love is no fear because fear involves punishment. That's what 1 John 4 says. It says God is the God of love. And if you don't love perfectly, you want to punish people. Now let me ask you before we do communion this morning. Is it in you that you like to punish people? See, when I want to lay hands on this cussing sailor, whatever he was, it makes, see, I, that's not God in me. That's not Christ in me. See? What's coming out of you in those places? That's where God wants. Here's what it is, Psalm 121. It's referenced, I think, in your notes. It says, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from them, from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel itself never slumbers or sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. Not his angels, guardian angels. I'm telling you, this is a place where God says, no, no, I myself watch over you. Okay? Bigger than an angel. Can you say that? Bigger than an angel. He's bigger than an angel. Okay? So the Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. He says, write down the vision so they may run with it. Let me ask you a question. Are you they? Are you they? Write it down that they may run with it. Are you they? Should you be running with the vision? Should you be living with purpose? 
Is there something greater and grander than what you've known that God has held out for you that says, here it is. This is the prize. This is what I want you running for. This is what I want you training for. This is what I want you submitting yourself for. I'm telling you that he has. It may have fallen on deaf ears. It might be that we got to clean out the O ears. We might have to be saying, I keep hearing that, but that's not what I want to hear. No, no. He's not going to give you what you want to hear. He's going to give you what you need to hear. And so what you need to say is, okay, God, if you'll speak it one more time, I'll hear. I'll listen for it. I'll hear, and then I'll act upon it, God. Then I'll act upon it. I look to the mountains. From where does my help come from? So here it is. We are on the threshold. Do you know that? This church is on the threshold. You're on the threshold. You're on the threshold. What threshold? The, The point of entry. The point where you begin to go to the place where God has for you that you, you never considered before. It's the, it's the, you've been on the beaten path and he says over here, that's not a path. Yes, it is. No, it's not. It's, it's all, it's foliage. Everything's grown over it. There's no path through there. He says, I've given you weapons. I want you to open up a path. I'm telling you there's a path there. Now, I'm going to make a way for you where there seems to be no way. And I want you to go that way. I want you to, I want you to walk in it. And see, what we're used to is we're used to going along, along with the throng. Going along where everybody, the beaten path. And God's looking for some trailblazers. He's looking for somebody who recognizes that I'm on this threshold. I'm on this verge. I'm right here ready to launch. There's something that God, that he's speaking to your heart this morning that's about his greatness. Something grand, something bigger than him. As we go into communion, I want to read you this. I have to read it because when I, when I wrote it, I just got this, blah, like this dumping thing from heaven that was glorious in my, my heart. I want to share it for you. It's all about enlarging your expectation. And so I started with this question, or actually God asked me this question. What is it that fascinates you about the Bible? What is it that fascinates you about the Bible? See, because I call them life scriptures. I've got a ton of them that I use, and I call them all my life scriptures. Well, they are. This is life and health and peace. That's what his word is to us. But, but our problem is sometimes we don't read it enough to really know it. We don't read it and invest ourselves in it that we're actually getting not fodder from the world, but we're getting the nutrition of God's word. See, the, the holy diet, that's what he wants us on. So let me ask you, is, is what fascinates you about the Bible, is it Jonah? And the whale, the idea that a man was in the belly for three days and then is spewed up where he's supposed to have gone to begin with, where God will take us captive if we won't just submit ourselves. He has a way of acquiring us and delivering us where he wants us to be. Is it the walls of Jericho and them crumbling at the shout of a bunch of people marching around for a period of days and then they shout and the walls fall down? Is it Jesus walking on water? Is it God parting the Red Sea? Is it the hack's head floating in the water? Is it the water made into wine? Is it the, the bitter poisonous water made pure? Is it the lepers cleansed, made whole, the blind see, the lame walk, the thief forgiven, the woman pardoned, the child raised from the dead, the servant healed, the widow heard, the demon possessed set free, the poor provided for, the hungry satisfied, revival at the well? Is it the hypocrites rebuked, the humility of the Savior, the power of God, the wickedness of people, the patience of God? A weeping Jesus, a sleeping Jesus, 
before he calms the storm? His love for the children, his passion for the lost, the hurt, the broken, the wounded, and poor? Is it tongues of fire, his Holy Spirit, poured out in the unprecedented ways? Or is it the face-to-face rendezvous you'll have one day with him, the lover of your soul? What is it that fascinates you about God? Did you know everything I just said is biblical? Did you know? You might not know. What about the axe in the water? I didn't understand that. The thing floating. Come on, serious? Yeah, it really did. It floated. See, what you have to do is you have to live your life with an expectation. The expectation is on God. And then what we have to do is we have to wring something out of our lives, out of both the good and the bad, because that's what our lives have. And don't settle for what is. See, that's what happens is, is we end up settling for less than what is his highest for us. Don't settle for that. There's more. You've been hearing me for years, a lot of you. He's, there, there's something that's greater, higher, deeper, bigger, further. And it's, it's found in him. We must expect his greatness. See, his glory. The Bible says, it's actually Luke 6.38, I think it is. It says, press down, shaken together and running over according to his riches and glory. Not according to what I've got, it's what he got, he's got. How do you live threshold or on the verge? It's actually found in the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. I'll, I'll read it for you. Then I'm going to give you six things and we're, we'll, we'll do communion. Ready? Ready? <laughs> Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand that, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts, threshold of your house, and on your gates. We're not talking about a physical house now. We're talking about right here. This is the house. This is the temple of the Lord. Did you know that? This is what, he wants that on this house. So here's, here's how that comes. Right out of Deuteronomy 6. Those are verses 4 through 9. Here it is. Ready? Love God with everything you've got. That means make him first place. Two. Memorize and meditate on God's word. The Bible. Just got to read it. If you don't have one, let me know and we'll get you one. I'm getting one for Jay, a new one, a giant print, he said. If you need giant print, we can get you a giant print Bible. But we want you to have a Bible. So if you can't afford it, doesn't matter. Come to me. If you're not sure which one to get, come to me. Ask me. We'll just get you so you can memorize and meditate on God's word. Three, testify about who God is, what he means to you and what he's done for you. See, that's what he says when, when you sit and you teach these to your children, see? It's not just your children, it's the world. You've got to be teaching this and proclaiming that, see, about his goodness to you. So testify about him, what he means to you and what he's done for you. I'm telling you, people want to know the God who is so kind that he delivers, that he rescues, that you're always on his heart. He inscribed you on the palms of his hands. Everybody wants to know that guy, and they don't. And like me, they might have just been doing, going through the motions. And meanwhile, we got to put them in the position, in the place where they can actually come face to face with him, where they'll, they'll hear 
And they'll come to knowledge of, of the saving truth of Jesus. That's what we got to do. And then number four, let God reign in every aspect of your life. Let God reign in every aspect of your life. I like that, the, the illustration there. It says that, that shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently. Um, when you lay down, when you rise up, you shall bind them. Okay, when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. In other words, this is a lifestyle, see? It's a lifestyle of living Christianity out. Number five, let his word guide you so that you do. Let it guide what you do and how you think. So when, in other words, bind it on your hands, bind it right here. Guess what? Transformed mind. I need to think like Jesus thinks in every situation all the time, 24-7, 365, the rest of my life. What am I doing? Hey, whatever I set my hands to, it's going to bless. It's going to bless. See? It's constructive. And then whatever I think, that's where this is happening. My hands go from this right here. He says it's necessary for your, your mind to be transformed by the renewing, which comes by his word, by the Bible. See, the Bible is the answer for everything. So he wants you, that's the last one is, live a transformed life. A lifestyle of worship for everyone to see. Do you know that the blessing of the cross is that we get the resurrected life that he died for? That's what happens. We get the resurrected life. And we get a little glimpse of it in this life. We get hope, peace, joy, and love. And we get it today. See? We get it today. The fermented, the brewed, the seasoned, the tempered life. Wait. Wait for it. Wait. Wait. Wait now. And expect it now. Expect to see fruit in your life now. Why? Because you're submitting to it. See? Why? Because it's the appointed time. Today, for somebody, it may be the appointed time. This is your launch pad. This is the day. This is the day of salvation. This is the day when you say, I'm tired, sick and tired of living according to what I've been getting away with. I'm a disaster. I'm an accident on the way to a happening. You've got to realize that this is, this is the turmoil of your life. The reason there's turmoil is because it's, it's counter to what God has for you. And you've got to give it up. And today could be the, the, the first day of the rest of your real life. What God really has for you. It's the appointed time. You know what Hebrews eleven six says? Most people stop with the first part. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Do you know the rest of what verse 6 says? It says, he's a rewarder of those who persistently or diligently seek him. See, part of faith is to have faith. That's wonderful. But you got to do something with faith. It's impossible to, to please God without faith. But he doesn't want you to say, I got faith. He wants you to, I got faith. And you know what my faith is? My faith is to pray for a situation in your life. And my faith is, is that my God, who is grander and greater than anything else you could ever put your hope in, he's going to come to the rescue. He's going to have his way. That's my phone. He's going to have his way. That's what he wants. He wants a living, active faith. That's what he says his word is to us, doesn't it? 
It's a living and active word. He wants us to be about his business. He wants us literally to go out and extend that we're his hands, see? We're his arms, that we're, we're expressing the love of God. We're expressing the kindness of God. We're giving people hope. We're telling them, not in a judgmental wagon finger way, but we're coming alongside, man, I know I've been down this street and it wasn't straight. It was very crooked. I've been where you are and I can tell you how, who rescued me. I can lead you to him. Will you, will you follow me? Do you want to know him? Do you want to change life? I'm telling you, I'm a, I'm a life that has changed. You might not see that good stuff, but I'm telling you, if you think I'm bad now, whoa. He's redeemed me. He wants to redeem you. He's a rewarder of those who persistently seek him. Folks, we're on the brink. Do you know the promise that we're waiting for today? One is his, his return, his second coming, we call it. The other is, is we're waiting for his Holy Spirit to be poured out on all flesh. He said there's a promise that, that's going to come. Some call it the latter rain. Some say that the, the former and the latter rain has already come. See, Some say that that outpouring in, in Peter's day in the book of Acts, when, when they literally heard him speaking in their own languages, in, in let be like me speaking Spanish all of a sudden. Or, or Hungarian or some other language that I have clue, no clue about. But there's also the divine language which comes forth. And God wants to pour out his spirit on all flesh. And that's something I want you to set forward. I, want, I, I feel this morning the threshold is, is you're on the verge, but he won't let you go in there with some sort of junk food. He doesn't want you going in with fodder. He wants you to have his Holy Spirit. He doesn't want you to have an imitation. He doesn't want you to have anything else than him. He wants you to desire his Holy Spirit poured out on your flesh, on your sons and daughters, in your own life. And he wants you to take off whatever it's been that's been limited or restricting him because what somebody said and how scary that might be oh have you ever heard anybody speak in tongues oh if you did if your heart was right it blessed you and you sat there knowing that you were in the presence of the divine folks that's what happens when heaven invades our life by his holy spirit and you can either look for it out there somewhere or you can receive it in here amen Let's pray. God, I thank you for that which you put in our heart this morning that that many when we thought about on the brink, that they didn't think on the brink of disaster, on the brink of of economic collapse. They didn't think about on the brink of what they thought of as something hopeful, something good, something which which is just right around the corner. It's with the next prayer. God, that's what we have in you. We have this hope and we have this peace. We have this joy and we have this love. And it's what the world can't give, but you've already given. So we ask you, you who are holy, to search our hearts this morning and see if there be any wicked way in us. Search me and know me. God, we pray, even according to your word that says that who may ascend the hill of the Lord, but he who has clean hands and a pure heart. And the only way we can get that is that you'll give us that holy scrub down, that you'll wash us. that you'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I ask you just to take a, a pause and consider. Let God, by his Holy Spirit, come in and speak to you. Not guilt, conviction. Guilt won't lead you to change. Conviction will. Say, God, what aren't you happy with in my life? Is there a sin that's just repetitive? 
that you just want to deal, you want to put the ax to in my life? Do you want to blow away? I present myself to you, God. I ask you to speak, for your servant is listening. Show me what I've become too familiar with, which is disgusting to you, God. Then I just want you to do this little exchange this morning. I want you to give it to him. I want you to say, here, take it. Take this. Please, God, take it. Jesus, cover it. Hold on to me, but purge this sin. Purge this attitude. Deal with me, God, so I might be a vessel of honor for your glory. Ready to let that go? (laughs) That's what I do. I'm not carrying this around. You told me I could exchange it. I'm giving it to you, God, and taking what you got for me. Don't you, don't you live in, in guilt. Don't you go away from here today feeling like you weren't worthy to receive communion because your sin condition. That's just a lie from the pit. God wants you to have communion with him. That's his presence, which is right now, but it's also beyond now. It's for forevermore. Christmas isn't about Christmas isn't about the presence, gifts. It's about His presence. 